I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Aria Talking to Me, a Game of Thrones podcast. My name is Ben Vanell. I'm a comedian. I live in Melbourne, Australia. And I am joined on the line by my good friend, Adam Knox. Hello, Adam Knox. Hello, Ben. I'm here on the line, live on the scene, ready to explain to you what is going on down here. A lot of chaos and confusion, uh, because I haven't thought of a situation that I could be reporting on. <laughs> I thought you were going to definitely go for a situation from Game of Thrones. Uh, there's a young fat man baking heaps of pies. <laughs> This is the most boring <laughs> possible yeah. scenario. Yeah, you're doing like the human interest story at the end of the news. And a small <laughs> fat boy has cooked 17 pies in a row. <laughs> Some people think that fat boys only like to eat food. Well, this boy's breaking the trend by making food. <laughs> we it. talked That's to him exactly. when he could fucking put the pie down for a goddamn second. <laughs> oh, yes. Hot pie. What a, what a character. What a gross-sounding name, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's just, like, my fault for, for years of internet consumption. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, God, he's, he sucks so bad. That stupid direwolf he made for Arya, just... Yeah, apparently on. it tasted good, though. Well, I guess that's the point of a pie, or whatever it was. <laughs> Some weird, like, cookie thing. Yeah, yeah, just a like bad sour. Like what? Are, what? What's the Australian one that we make? Um, uh, a damper. Zach Bisc- oh, damper. Yeah, yeah. Which is just the easy. It's just like yeast, fl- flour, and like salt and water. I think. Yeah, right. I guess. I guess that's bread. But hot pie, hey, you suck. It's how I like my meadows. A little bit damper. Oh yeah. Okay. A bit of dew. A bit of dew on the daisy. Nah. Keep them where they live. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough fucking around. We've got an episode of Game of Thrones to talk about. Um, I'm ready to do it. Uh, Season three rolls on mm -hmm. with episode six, The Climb. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've spoken about the the eponymous climb speech before, um, and maybe we can get more into that in spoilers, but uh, let's just get rolling into that recap, shall we? Yeah, I think we've definitely like talked about it in the sealed section, mm. and now mm. it's here, so everybody's catching up to us. Yeah. Um, speaking of catching up, we catch up with both of our favourite character in the show, a young Samuel Tarly. Oh. He's, <laughs> he's just proving once again why he is the best character in this show by being an awkward little dick. Yeah, right. So what was he doing at the start of this episode? Remind me. He he was just sitting around the campfire with Gilly. Uh I think oh, he's yeah. he, they're looking at Dragon Glass and he's like, I think this might mean something, but you know, I'm not exactly sure. I've read about it in a book, and then he sings a lullaby. 
Yeah, I remember him singing to the to the little baby. Yep. And his singing voice is so annoying. <laughs> it really is. It's like so... Uh, that thing that you always say about him, that he feels like a character who exists in the modern world, is mm. is only underlined more in this scene where he just feels completely out of place in, in the world they're trying to build. Oh, he's the Martin Lawrence of Game of Thrones in that he has been <laughs> flung back in time yeah. and is a, a black knight. Uh, that's right. And is not black funny being... or entertaining. No. <laughs> black being the mood he puts me in. Mm, yep, totally just a, fair. a down, grim mood. <laughs> yeah, just not pleased to be experiencing him on your screen. Um, that's really all, all there is to that scene as well. He, it's just feel... a little bonding scene. Yeah, and I feel bad for like... Look, I'm sure the actor himself is a nice guy. Mm, I'm sure. I... I like, but man, he is really making this character someone who I dread seeing every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, in a show that's really, really, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistently good across mm. the board for, for him to be kind of annoying and for that to be kind of the worst thing of the show speaks pretty well to the show's quality. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's that he's that like the character is just an unrealized thing. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I, I, it's it's that it, there's something about it's not that the traits of his well painted character are unlikable. It's that there's something out of place and missing about that character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, let us spend no more time on his character then and move on to <laughs> the next scene. <laughs> uh, so, Egret. Is this the Egret scene? I'm looking at a different thing. I'm still... I, I have to say, I'm down at... I just moved out of my house today. Mm. And so I am doing this on a shoestring budget. That's right. And, you're like uh, you're like Bran. You're traveling the countryside <laughs> with a band with a band of uh, misfits. Y- yes, yes, Ben. But what happens next in the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the egret scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is uh, that, that scene with Mira and uh, Osha. And they're oh, skinning yeah, they're, rabbits. Um, yeah, yeah. And they're having a, a rabbit is, skinning com- contest. Osha is clearly better. Yes. But Mira won't won't let it won't let it go. Just admit that she's better. Like they're bickering and I don't know why, and it annoyed Bran as much as it annoyed me because they've only got each other. Don't you realize that you're in love? <laughs> <laughs> it's it seems with like a kind of old fashioned um like pitting the girls against each other sort of scene, which yeah. does not uh, play well in the light of a progressive society. Like even in terms of it being a, a, a you know, a fiction, it's just like what, there, there's literally no reason for them to be bickering or fighting. Yeah, the girls are skinning these rabbits and like kind of snipping at each other's heels, while the boys just sit around having fits. <laughs> That's as it. always, classic boys. Boys will be having <laughs> boy fits. <laughs> um, but yeah. My husband Brett, didn't Brett. come home until 3 a.m. last night. He was out <laughs> shaking around. <laughs> I could smell the piece of wood they put between his teeth to stop him biting his tongue off. <laughs> he told me he just tumbled down the side of a mountain, but I know <laughs> that he was shaking around, having a fit. <laughs> uh, but you're right, Jojen has a fit. He has a bloody seizure. And, and um, uh, Mira has clearly seen this before. This is like a side effect of his um, sight. 
his premonitions yes. and whatever yeah. his uh, whatever sort of magic thing is going on in his brain and soul uh, yes. has negative side effects for him. And this freaks Bran out as well because he's like, "Oh fuck! Well, this is the thing I have." Yeah, and yeah. I'm, just... I'm just at the beginning of it, so am I heading towards Fit Town? That's right, and he's got no legs as well. <laughs> so yeah, true. He's going to so, be an awful way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think we really get anything out of it other than well, what what does he see? Jojen sees like. Uh, does he even say what he sees in this scene? Oh, I don't think so. Um, but he, he doesn't oh, look he's, happy. He's, I think he says he saw John. Oh yeah, right. He just says I saw John Snow at the wall, <laughs> and Brand's like, "Oh wow, that was worth a seizure." <laughs> yeah. My brother, who's in the fucking Night's Watch, is at the wall. Whoa. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh um, yeah, and Rickon, Rickon, like piped up for once in this. Yeah, scene. yep. We're reminded that Rickon exists. He's still alive. He's a little kid, and um, that's about all that happens <laughs> with Rickon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Jon Snow is at the wall. He certainly is. Him and uh, him and Egret are up there. Getting ready to fucking scale that motherfucker. Yes, that's right. Because um, yeah, they've been they've been put into the party that's going to cl- climb the wall. They're going to the climb the wall. <laughs> and um, what are they doing? They're going to go and, and have a look around on the other side, right? Are they going to look at Castle Black? I forget what they were told to do. Yeah, they're scouting because like um, they still don't believe Johns, or like they kind of half do and half don't believe Johns. Uh, telling them that there's like a thousand people at Castle Black. Yeah, he's sure. maintaining that lie. Yeah, and it is a lie, right? I, we haven't just seen too few of them. Like there are not a thousand people there. No, no, it's definitely a lie. It's it's like there's a hundred. There's there's a hundred or less, including yeah. like all those new recruits. So yeah, nuts. Nah, Gareth is being like real dickish to him. Yes, uh, and then Egret. Is uh oh yeah, Egret sees through him. Yeah, she's like, "You're a loyal kid. You you're not gonna betray your Night's Watch." Like, I know that you didn't fucking come up here and immediately stop being a crew. Yeah, to- <laughs> totally. That's like, yeah, you're right. She says she sees that he's a bad liar. He's an honest. He's too honest to get away with it. He he's. I don't know, like in terms of like as a as a viewer, it, it seems like he might be loyal to the Night's Watch just because, like, because he's flawed in the same way Ned is, where he's just like, well, I've picked yeah. something and I've I'm said I'm gonna I'm gonna go along with it. I've I've taken an oath, so I guess I won't break it. But surely, like every day is giving him more reasons to not be a Night's Watchman anymore. Sure, but he'd like he he'd fetishized the Night's Watch since he was like a kid. He always wanted to go and join it, right? And yes, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, a couple of shitty dudes being there isn't going to make him stop yet. But like, yes. when he finds out about that huge massacre that's happened, maybe he'll be a little bit pissed off. Yeah, but, um, uh, but what she basically says is like now that now that uh, John and Egret have gotten together, she just wants him to be loyal to her. Yeah. Because she doesn't have any allegiance, really, like, or not as strong of a one to Manserator and all of this shit. She's like, we can just go off and do our own thing. I'm happy to do that. That's yeah, what sure. I've done she's... for most of my life. 
Yeah, she's only there because like the she's a wildling and she lives north of the wall and they really don't have any other option. Totally. Uh, and, but yeah, I, it, like her seeing through him so easily, <laughs> it's kind of weird that she's the only one. Her and I guess Gareth. That's but true. Like- Ga- Gareth just thinks he's... Well, yeah, that's a tough one. I guess no one really thinks he's telling the full truth because, like, you're right. They, they're basically going, look, you all need to go and scout out these places because we don't <laughs> really think John's telling the truth. Mm. But, but also, I guess, I guess it was... Mance like, is ha- sort of... <laughs> Mance has basically been like, <laughs> I, I'm going to take you at your word... Because you're you're the kind of person who at least doesn't want to break their word, you know. Like it's I don't know. It just exists in this weird place at the moment. Yeah, and I think hit like half hands plan. Like, hey, kill me. That'll make them think that you're one of them. It kind of yeah. has worked, I guess. That's true. That's true. You've you've you got to go pretty far over the line to kill someone. Yeah, but so eager. It's like, hey, we can do whatever. I'm okay with whatever political bullshit you want to do. But uh, if you betray me, that dick. Ain't going to be on your crutch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's going to make him an unsullied. <laughs> uh, speaking of the unsullied, the Brotherhood Without Banners, <laughs> are uh, they're, they're hanging around still. Arya's learning how to shoot an arrow properly. Yep. Whenever I love scenes of people teaching other people archery because they always give them just the vaguest instruction of like, <laughs> make your arm higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Look where the arrow's meant to go and the, it will fly true. Yeah, your brain mm-hmm. already knows how to do it. Stop stop fucking it. <laughs> Get out of your own way. Yeah. Some some dumbass uh, <laughs> advice, but then he's like, or Arya is like, um, hey, there's some people in the bushes. Mm. Um, blow me down. It's the bloody red witch. Yeah, she left Stannis a few couple of weeks ago. She didn't appear in that last episode, and we were wondering, the whole time, we're wondering, like, Poochie, where is Melisandre? Yep. Like Poochie, I was wondering, why why am I a dog? Ah! Very good. <laughs> I reckon that's what was going on inside Poochie's head. <laughs> Who's Poochie? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Melisandre has shown up here. She Last thing we heard her say was like, I've got a plan, and it mm. involves someone with royal blood. Well, who's here that has royal blood? Well, uh-oh. Oh no. Gendo. It's, yeah, it's bloody Gendo the Smith. <laughs> Gendo Smith is uh in a lot of trouble cuz like the the brotherhood without banners as much as they don't have banners, they do have a big bloody religious symbol right in the middle of them with this guy who's been revived a billion times by this priest who believes in the Lord of Light. Yeah, yes. So, so they yeah, are it looks like they're on the same side as Melisandre, right? Exactly. They're automatically affiliated with him, mm. and uh, they they live by that. Yep, they do. Gendo, so, uh, they sell him off, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I forget what it's for, but she basically, Melisandre basically says, like, look, yeah, like, I'm going to use my right as a, as a priestess of the Lord of Light to take this dude, but, you know, I'll give you some money or whatever. So, you know, you guys need money. You need that for food and, and weapons. So, hey, this works out for everyone. Every She's, single person involved. <laughs> yeah. She's also pretty freaked out that uh, Thoros has been able to revive Beric a bunch of times. Yes, true. Yeah. Yeah. She's done some like, magic stuff, but that that is uh, intense. I But it's so weird to be like, man, I fucking... 
a shadow baby came out of my own pussy. But, uh, <laughs> dude, this guy standing up again? That's extra level shit. That's fucking crazy. I mean, I can kind of see that. Like, you know, making making some making a, a magical creature using a spell is like on the scale of of things pretty normal. Um, sure. Bringing bringing a, a human being back from the dead six times is, you know, like it it it, it breaches the 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 ultimate you know law of life. Like that's pretty. That's yeah. I understand her being like, "Fuck, what's going on here?" Yeah. She seems to know so much about the Lord of Light, though, that it's strange that this surprises her because, like, also, uh, right at the end before she leaves, they sell off Gendry and they're like, yeah, we need gold. Sorry. Mm. Uh, she comes up to Arya, who's kicking up a stink, and she gives her this real weird little speech. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because Arya is like, what are you doing? Why are you taking my one friend away? This is bullshit. She grabs she, like, Melisandre. Yeah. And then Melisandre, like, grabs her right back and is like, Pisces, your star <laughs> sign is looking real good this month. You're going to come into some money, and also you're going to shut your little brown eyes forever. Yeah, yeah. You'll see some eyes, and you'll close them, and uh, there's darkness in you, which is yeah. um, very interesting. It sounds like a sort of uh, precognitive prediction about Arya's future. Well, I don't know about any of those words, but I reckon it's crook. <laughs> it's crook what she done. Uh, then we, um, we head over back to Theon and this janitor sweepy kid. Yes. Who has turned out not to be so sweepy at all. More sneaky than sweepy. Yeah, very sneaky. Yeah. He gives him a really good torture scene here. Oh, man. It's like, yeah, from top to bottom, this scene is very well done. It's, it's well acted. I think it's well written and it made me physically cringe and look away. This guy, dude, I don't say this lightly, but he's like my hero, the Joker. (laughs) In what way? Because he doesn't give a fuck, and he's going to take down all this shit that you fake posers think is real. (laughs) And and also, he's he's got green hair. Oh man, that's so cool. He's a bit damaged, honestly, I reckon. He, yeah, and he he likes to spread that damage around. But he's to- he's totally the Joker. He's, he is he's the Joker, yeah. He just wants to a- cause chaos. And funny like funny torture where he's like being a bit a bit uh sort of charming and cheeky with it. Yeah, totally. You want to see a magic trick? You want to play a little game? Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true because what he does for the people listening who haven't seen this ep- uh, this this episode or this show, which there are a surprisingly large amount of, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we should just start throwing in scenes that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, we said that last week. We didn't think of one for this week. We'll do it. Did we? We'll do it at some point. Yeah, we literally. Yeah, we had this conversation. Oh fuck. Um, well, I plagiarized us. <laughs> yeah. So this nameless boy, the janitor. Yeah. Uh, he he says, "Hey, hey, Theon." Um, which, first he asks him, I think, what body part do you need the least? Mm. Um, but then he says, if you can guess who I am, uh, that's this scene, right? I think he says, if you can guess where we are. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, then, yeah. Uh, then you, you win the game. Uh, like, the game is over if you can guess where we are or if I can make you beg me to cut your finger off. 
Yes. Yep. Yes, you're and right. And so then he does a bunch of tricky little like, oh, no, you've figured it out. We're in Gripper's Watch. And yes. Yeah. eventually goes, by the way, I didn't say that I was going to tell the truth. You lose. And just tears a big slab of his fucking finger oh, off. So gross. Really gross. Like, yeah. prop, props to the props department because that was – it looked real. Like, it just <laughs> – Props to the props department just sounds like something that comes over the speaker in a studio. Can we get the props to the props department, please? Yeah, I don't know what like- they're doing in makeup. <laughs> <laughs> There's heaps of props in the way. I don't know what's real makeup and what's fake makeup. <laughs> this is like um, loudspeaker stuff from like a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> just funny little puns about <laughs> movies. Um, yeah, it, it's horrible. I think, yeah, he... he he tries to guess where he is and and who he who he is. So he's like, "We're Deepwood Martin, your Carstark's son, who Rob betray- like you know he thinks he's got it right." And, yeah, and yeah, boy, he thinks that- he's in Carhold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which uh, again, very funny name because it just sounds like a garage. <laughs> yes, and that is plagiarized from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to do anything original this week. Great. Well, I guess the whole this whole podcast is predicated on us talking about an existing show, so that's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's in the spirit. But um, yeah, like um, you said, like you said, fifteen minutes ago when we started describing this scene very poorly, uh, it's just a good scene of torture, and it's very effective. Oh, I loved it. Like it's very straightforward. Nothing kind of you know happens. I mean, uh, Theon loses a bit of his finger, but it's just real good characterization of this psycho who's captured Theon, and we don't know who he is. Yeah, yeah, and and, it, and and as as with the the previous episode, I think it was the previous episode where Theon basically is led in a circle back to that dungeon after mm. starting to open up and become more vulnerable. It, this yeah. is just really pounding it into Theon that like you fucked up and you're gonna get punished. Yeah, and like uh, he takes that that little bit of vulnerability that Theon showed and throws it back against him. He's like, Oh, you told me that you didn't want your daddy to be mad at you. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy's paying attention. And, yeah, it just uh, a real good... And also, like, great acting from the guy playing the janitor guy. I forget his name. <laughs> yes, yeah. But um, uh, Alfie Allen, like, the straight man in the scene, basically, the uh, mm-hmm. the it's always the unsung hero of any comedy group is the straight man. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the hardest bit to it, it makes the other bit laugh uh, that get the laughs and yeah that he's doing a real good job of being tortured there. Totally, absolutely, that's a good point as well. Yeah, like you feel his pain. That's why it's it's why it's able to be an impactful and effective scene. He yeah, yeah. he's he's great. Continues to be good in this show. As does the guy who plays Rob Stark. I think just a, yeah. a good kind of commanding presence there. You can see how he's gotten into the situation he's in. As totally. Why do you why do you mention the guy playing Rob Stark? Well, you see, next, Benjamin, we go over to River Run, <laughs> where oh, okay. uh, Rob uh, is meeting with uh, representatives of the, the, the Frey clan, uh, yes. the Frey house, and they have not dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> They're wearing, no. like, those little train spotter hats. Yes. <laughs> yep. And they're, they're, they know that they're in the powerful position here. Totally. Totally. The phrase always, everyone in that family or in that house, they always look like their faces are slowly dripping downwards. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of melting fucks. <laughs> exactly. But the, these melting fucks 
are in a are in a hot spot here because they know they can twist Rob's arm. They've they've got him. Basically, Rob has absolutely fucked up. Yep. By breaking his promise, and so they want uh, him to apologize, mm-hmm. and then uh, they want him to give them Harren Hall, which I don't know why anyone wants that cursed fucking place, but all right. Yeah, it looks awful and uh, and sad. I guess that fits the phrase. Sure. <laughs> yeah. True. It must have some sort of um, tactical kind of yeah, uh, yeah, value to these people because everyone seems to be after it. Totally. Um, and also they want like a, a a marriage in return for the marriage that Rob didn't see through. Mm. So they're like, hey, your uncle Edmure, Catelyn's sister, he's got to marry one of our fucking weird, gross <laughs> sisters that are all like twelve years old. Oh man, it's like it's not their fault that they're weird and gross. Their dad sucks, but like just the whole place is depressing. Yeah, it's awful. You yeah. As much as we have spoken about Rob being an absolute fucking idiot for breaking this oath, um, you can kind of you can understand it on a personal level. Oh, like it was a poor move as a military commander, but he's a human being. <laughs> yes. And then like Edmure, who like I mean I feel like everybody kind of. Gave him a little bit of a, hey, you, this is a shitty behavior. You need to live up to your promises. But then the second Edmure's head is on the chopping block, he's like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> Can I yeah. pick which one? Yeah. Um, he starts which, uh, like... The, that scene, like, to, let, like, to be honest, we, we know exactly what's going to happen at the outset. Like, we know that Rob Stark is going to be like, hey, Edmure, you fucked that battle up. Come on, brother. Yeah. You know, d- just take one for the team here, uh, and that's what happens. Yeah, a good on him. Yeah, sure. Yep. You know, he he didn't have to. He mentions that uh, there's this law. He, I know my rights. I know my rights. <laughs> Am I being detained? And he says, uh, "There's a law that no man can compel another man to marry." Very yes. interesting. That, like, again, it's a male-dominated world here, and yep. they do. Absolutely, are talking about men. Not not a person can com- can't compel another person. You can force a woman to marry a man. Oh my god! What am I? Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but that shit's cool. Oh, but, man. Uh, it's the best. <laughs> forcing a man to marry another man. Get out of my face! <laughs> this is a free weird country. <laughs> yeah, that's not in Game of Thrones. Everything else is though. And um, yeah, speaking of uh, Rob Stark and his bannermen, uh, Roose Bolton. Oh, just before we do this scene, I think it's worth mentioning that the 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 way that Rob convinces Edmure to do it, aside from guilting him into it for you know because of his failures, he just basically puts it on the table and says, "We're losing the war. Like we yeah, right. yes. we have less people than ever before. We are in a pretty shitty situation. We're losing. Like they've won, they've won some battles, but because of the Tywin sort of getting back to King's Landing and and pissing Stannis off like mm. it, the whole situation is basically bad for the Starks so they they need they really need this yeah and the phrase have apparently a pretty significant military force yes yes so yep hopefully they can use him because yeah his uh Rob Stark's existing batterman Roose Bolton is uh having some din dins with Jamie mm. and Brienne Yes, yeah, Brienne is in a lovely pink dress. Oh, absolutely stunning. So <laughs> she- wickedly talented. <laughs> Brienne Skrbitskrbist. She uh, looks very uncomfortable. 
Oh, she hates it. They both look like they're having a shithouse time because Jamie's adjusting to only having one hand and he's fucking up <laughs> yes. cutting his meat. A little like bit also- of Mr. Bean physical humour there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird how halfway through that dinner, Jamie got up and pushed over a three-wheeled car. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bean amputated is why I decided to call him. Oh, uh, Teddy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a bit of a um, bit of a tense dinner scene here with Roos and Jamie and Brienne. Roos seems like a fucking dick. He does. He's acting like a dick. Yeah, I mean, but like, it's it's interesting how they've switched Jamie's character here because you kind of you feel for the guy at this yeah. point where he was this arrogant piece of shit. Yes, I mean, I know there are still there are people who throughout the entirety of the show have always hated Jamie. Which is completely fair enough. He he's, he both does actual things that are shitty and acts like a douchebag all the time. But to, like this uh, this storyline is absolutely meant to place him in the low status position. Yeah, which, which I I find effective. Same, and Bolton kind of finagling himself into this high status position seems really gross because he's invited them to dinner to belittle them. Yep. He's deliberately made Brienne wear this dress to belittle her. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he does all these little dumb, like he's read the art of the deal power moves. <laughs> like, refusing yep. the drink. He's like, refusing no, no. a drink. Yep. Ja- and Jamie rightly sees through it. He's like, okay, dickhead, it's medieval times, as if you don't drink. Mm, mm. What Even are you like- going to fucking crash your horse, idiot? Drink. <laughs> Yeah, you, you were at your house. What are you not drinking for? <laughs> you brought the wine to this table, freak. Yeah, but like also, yeah, making making Jamie try and cu- like cut up his like steak, like giving yeah. him a big slab of meat that he has to cut up with one hand is yeah, yeah. You're right. It's totally. It's all. It's all power moves. Yeah, and so then he's like, okay, Jamie, you can uh, you can fuck off back to King's Landing. We understand that that might. Help us in this war a little bit if we show mercy to you. Totally. And, like, the plan all along was to, to, to send him back in exchange for in exchange for the, the Stark girls. Yeah. Well, that was Catelyn's plan. That's... Oh, yeah, that's and, true. And Rob was like, we should hang on to him and... Well, because Thingo, who died last week, um, Car Stark... Yes. He wanted to just kill Jamie. Yes, that's Rob right. wanted to just keep him prisoner because he was like political capital. Sure, could... sure. And then it's like Roos is weirdly siding with Catelyn here because which he was very not before he was like you need to lock her up. Lock her up. Lock her up. <laughs> Check her um Craven scrolls. Yeah, remember Craven scrolls. Benghazas the Great. Not only is it not a place, but a person now. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. So that's that's a weird move. He's making some strange move here. Uh, But he's like, okay, Jamie, you can go. But Brienne, that was treason, what you did. So, um, (laughs) and then, uh, yeah, he's like, we're going to deal with Brienne, we're going to do whatever, I don't know, kill her, lock her up, I guess, don't yeah, know. I guess, I guess kill her, yeah. And Jamie's like, no, don't do that, we're friends now. And Roose Bolton's like, uh, I think you would have learned by now to uh, 
don't don't overplay your cut off fucking hand. I mean, <laughs> position. That was yeah. I I didn't like that line in the moment. I fucking hated it. Yeah. It's yeah. just like I I get that it's meant to be him being like you know uh, smart but a dick, and it yeah. doesn't really do either of them well. No, it feels like a line that like one of the chaos agents would say in Get Smart. Like it's very <laughs> silly. It's totally very, very silly. It's such a Hanna Barbera bullshit line. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. But um, uh, yeah, it it's all it's all fixed up and forgotten about because straight away we fucking fly over to the wall. Yes, we do. Yeah, um, something that we haven't seen a much of is basically an action set piece. We've seen a few battles, um, yep. a few little fights, but this is a, a CGI-heavy action scene. Where, And I was bored by it, to be honest. Yep, me too. Because it was extremely like, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't think Egret was going to die. I didn't I think didn't, John no. was going to die. I didn't think anyone was going to fall off the fucking wall, except for those faceless people in the distance who, who gives mm. a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was just it. It seemed like uh, you know. I it's it's probably pretty scary to climb the wall. <laughs> sure, yeah, and it's, it's a, a nice wall. bit of flavor. But it was like almost padding. Yeah, totally agreed. No one in that scene was going to die. It, it, no one. I don't think. I think it's just because of how it looked. Like it was so CGI heavy and fake. No yeah. one's going to die in that scenario. It, it would really lack impact. Yeah. I don't have a firm idea of how big this wall is either. I think it's really big. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that firm enough for you? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I was thinking it was small, but I guess it's really big. Yeah, yeah, it's really big. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, sick. Well, yeah, yeah. Gareth is like, the second something goes the least bit wrong, he's like, cut him loose! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which was Which, really funny. It's It's good. It's also, like, I'm pretty sure, like, standard practice for, for mountain climbers, like, if, you know, if it's a j- danger of, well, I guess there's, like, half and half. But it's like, if one I person slips, they cut them loose so that six people don't die. Is, yeah, I guess. The rule, you should cut yourself loose. Yeah, yeah. You should have to promise that you'll be ready to cut yourself <laughs> loose, but then if you don't, then people will be like, do it! Like, no, I'll, I'll do it, I'll manage. Yeah, no, we'll be okay. Just like you know, hang on more. <laughs> Imagine someone hanging out off there, and they're like trying to convince him to cut himself loose. He's like, "Nah, nah, look," like, and he's just trying to do anything to get him not to do it. And he, yeah. he's like, "No, I'll get lighter," and he takes like this huge shit as he's <laughs> hanging there. He's like, "See, oh, you can carry me now. Yeah. I had that in me all day." <laughs> very good, very, very good. So but no yeah, one dies. Nothing- Nothing really happens. It's yep. all just, you know, they're climbing the wall and guess what? It's hard. Yep. Uh, Next scene. Speaking of hard, it yes. is very hard to match wits with Tywin and Olena. Very, who, uh, very good segue. Hanging out with each other back in King's Landing. Yep, um, just a little one-on-one. So they're talking about all these marriages that, that Tywin forced upon... Um, Cersei and Tyrion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tywin's after Cersei getting married to Loras. Yep. And uh, 
uh, Olena's like, nah, fuck that. And Tywin's like, but she's the most beautiful woman in the world. A yeah. whole family wants to fuck her. <laughs> and then Olena's like, nah, she's old. She can't have kids. She's useless. She's old. Fuck that. Yeah, she's she's about to enter middle age and not be fertile, I guess, is what she's implying. Yeah. And then Tywin does a little implying of his own, going like, well, you don't want people to keep thinking of Loras as, uh, you know, how they think of him. And Lena says, oh, come on, he's a sword sol- swallower through and through. But <laughs> yeah, very well phrased. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely fine. I don't yeah. really give a shit. And then, yeah, she, like, brings it around to Tywin being like, surely you've fucked a couple of lads? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, I've... Sort of weird, honestly. Like, I get like, I guess were things more. Uh, what's the word? Progressive <laughs> in uh, in the Dark Ages. May, I'm assuming it's sort of like maybe like an ancient Greek kind of deal. Yeah. Sh- yep. Sure. Sure. Or even maybe it's like a hey, you were in the army, don't you guys all you know strip down and shower together sort of situation? Yeah, maybe. I yeah. think so. Whatever it is. They they hate gay people in this world too. Nobody yeah, wants to well, be seen as being gay. That's true. So, Tywin certainly doesn't uh, have any respect for it. So Tywin's like, I've never fucking swallowed a sword, like you put it. <laughs> and then Olena's like, All right, well, what about your two kids who fuck? Yeah, yeah. And he's he straight away comes back with like a uh, All right, okay, you don't have to do it. She, he, he doesn't have to marry Cersei. I guess I'll just make him a Kingsguard, and then uh, then he can never marry anyone, and the, that's the end of the Tyrells. That's Bye. it. He's, he's the last... Uh, he's the youngest... Well, what is he? He's the heir. He's the heir to the Tyrell house. Yeah. Because we've heard dude. about Olena's o- son, uh, someone else Tyrell. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, uh, uh, fucking... Is it Mace? Loras. Is it Mace Tyrell who's yes. the dude? Yeah. Yes, Mace Tyrell is is Olena's son, who she said in the other episode is a dingbat. Yeah, he and he's the pup. He's the papa of uh, of Loras and Marjorie. Yes, yeah. So yeah, uh, Tywin snookers her. I don't know why he didn't just say that at first instead yeah. of having to bring all the stuff of like, well, everyone thinks your kid's gay. <laughs> why couldn't he just straight away go to like, hey, I've got this unbeatable move. Yeah, I've got this trump card. I guess I don't know. He he seems to enjoy sparring with her. True, they both do. Because at the end, she's like, "Oh boy, a guy who is everything people say he is." Mm. Mm, you do not see that much. <laughs> yeah, but as a viewer, we're we're kind of like, "Oh, the bad guy won, right?" Like the bad guy won that scene, which is uh, shit. yeah. And I wonder if that's why they're making him like so kind of he fucking keeps going on a. Tyrion about, like, you're a short little creep, aren't you? And then he's like, oh, t- fucking Loras loves dick. Mm. And if they give him all these, like, kind of, like, old man fucking uh, bigot things yes, to make him a villain? Because otherwise, sure. without that stuff, I don't know, man, he's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I think we both spoke about when he was introduced to the show, like, alright, here's a character who knows their shit. He's like a smart military mind. He can see things objectively and rationally and he takes action and he's very, you know, he's a strong character. Um, yeah. And, and, but then, yeah, like I think I mentioned this last week, 
the world is starting to be divided into good and evil in this show because I guess that clarifies a few, you know, storylines and a few uh, um, attitudes towards certain characters. And they've basically, yeah, slotted Taiwan firmly into the evil camp by being yeah. a homophobe. <laughs> it's like, because without that stuff, he's just like, he, without being a homophobe and a bigot... He's just like a go-getting kind of... He's disrupting the paradigm, man. He he's, is he's, disrupting the he's paradigm. He's a bloody entrepreneur in a startup. <laughs> but then if you make him hate gay people, he's an entrepreneur in a startup who his people have found his Twitter history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, he, he his openly stated goal is to protect his family and ensure the legacy of his family. And there's nothing yeah. evil about that. No. And look, like he wants to rule the kingdom. Everyone fucking wants to rule the kingdom here, and he's he yeah. seems like he knows what he's doing. He seems competent. So I every don't know. Ev- everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, it, that would make a great, great lyric for a, a terrible poem. <laughs> okay, Do I might turn it into lyrics. A, <laughs> might turn it into a song instead. Uh, not into music. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Loris. We... Um, yes. Loris is kind of checkmated there by Tywin, but in the meantime, yes, yes, he's having a little chat with Sansa Stark. He's checking out his mate Sansa. So, uh, fucking, and he doesn't want to be anything. Doesn't want to be anything more than mates with Sansa. Nah, they can be good buddies. That's mm. fine. Everybody needs a have, friend. They both have an interest in fabrics and uh, wedding dresses. Oh yeah, they they both get super into the idea of uh, their wedding. But then everything mm. else around that, <laughs> like, Loris is, like, overly, he's very much going, like, ugh, imagine spending time with you. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> he really is. I really like, like how he plays it. He plays it very well. <laughs> the actor, just keeps, I mean. Yeah. Look at, just look it off into the distance. Just be like, oh, anything is better than this conversation. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, he yeah. They, he's kind of following Marjorie's idea here of um, getting married off to Sansa, which I can't yeah. remember what her her goal was there. Marjorie's goal, I think, it just helps out Sansa. It strengthens strengthens the Tyrell family by giving them a link right. to the north. To the north, yes. Okay, yes. That's why Sansa's important because Tyrion is uh, gonna b- be attempting to marry her. But uh, yeah, in the meantime. Him and uh, him and his sister are sitting there. Finally, they have something a little bit in common here. They're mm. both having to marry people they don't want to marry. Yep. And they're kind of half plotting about it. They've been fucked over by their dad. And for once in this family, getting fucked by a family member is only a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then a pretty big fucking piece of information shows up here. Oh, yes. Tyrion's going at Cersei being like, okay, I need to bring this up. Why the fuck did you try and have me killed? Blah, blah, blah. They talk mm. about it for a bit and it, it she doesn't admit it, but he figures out, oh, fuck, Joffrey tried to get me killed. Of course. Yes. yes. She ba- He's basically like, well, did you kill me? And she's like, hmm, no. And he's like, well, it must have been either you or Joffrey. And she's like, yeah. mm, okay, I'm going to look over here now. Um, I'm a... Uh- I'm a clever schemer who gets away with intricate plans 
And uh, Joffrey's a dumb idiot who would try and have someone killed in the middle of a field where everyone mm. could see by someone who shouldn't have been near them. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, then he's like, oh, fuck, okay, the king wants me dead. Do you reckon I'm in more trouble? And Cersei's like, yep, that guy is, uh, that that kid's a fuck, but yeah. his granddad's around and he'll probably be behave himself while he's here. That's it, yeah. Like, obviously, Cersei has now given up on, on the uh, any pretense of being able to control him, as we've sort of mm. covered in previous weeks. Um, Tywin appears to be in control, as we've just seen with his scene with uh, Elena. He he is the puppet master. He's controlling everyone, including Joffrey, we assume. Um, so, uh, yeah. But the, look, we know Joffrey's a reckless little cunt. <laughs> yes, he is. He is a dirt bike riding, monster energy drink drinking motherfucker. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah he's going to... But yeah, Tywin the other week was like, I will bring that boy in line, don't worry. So it seems like maybe he is. Hopefully. Sure, sure. Because Tyrion needs to marry that blood... He can't die. He's got to marry the Stark girl. Yeah. But he better tell her that because... <laughs> and he just fucking tells her at the exact worst time. Yes. Yep. So Sansa, yeah, she's the guy like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a big, beautiful wedding at Highgarden, and like she just loves the idea of this like beautiful, you know, rose garden lined castle grounds, and you know, she's mm. she's totally gone romantic again, like she was at the start of the show where she had these feelings about Joffrey, yeah, or about the wedding to Joffrey at least, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, she's bragging to Shay, in walks Tyrion. Oh boy, he's got some news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He asks and, Shay to leave, <laughs> and yeah, she doesn't. Because Sansa's like, anything you can say to me, literally anything. There's not a topic in the world that would be inappropriate to say to the pair of us at once. Yeah, fuck. and then Tyrion tries to be like, hey, seriously, Shay. Sometimes you think you want to be somewhere, but maybe <laughs> you don't. Yeah, yeah. But uh. Yeah, he doesn't actually tell him here. He just no, we like, don't see it on screen. No, he like opens his mouth and then fucking next week on mm. uh, the, the the show. <laughs> I couldn't think of a show that always used to have like a cut, like a hard cut to next week on Lost. Lost always had a cliffhanger. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. cliffhanger. That always <laughs> That's had a, a, yes. <laughs> I felt lost while I was watching it. Okay, good. Very but yeah, nicely done. Uh, so that, I, I assume, will deal with either that scene or the fallout of that uh, next week. Because mm. we, we cut over to uh, the throne room where, once again, these fucking morons, Littlefinger and Varys, are yeah. just openly talking about their schemes in the fucking, like, the the Oval Office. Yeah. Yep. It's insane. Or at least, like, the press briefing room or something. It's it is so it, fucking it, weird. <laughs> it is kind of like the Oval Office in that, and it it doesn't make sense, but there's a there's an element of like if you're powerful enough to be hanging around in the Oval Office, then you'd assume that you'd also be aware of whether anyone's watching you or not. But yeah, but uh, it's just it just reads as so silly. Like it's mm. literally the seat of power here, mm. and. People come and go all the time, but whatever. They they had them there so Littlefinger could go like, I don't even like the chair. <laughs> that was all that was yeah. all it was for. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's but, just um, that sort of 
very simple shorthand thing of like, these guys are power brokers and they're in the throne room, yep. remember? Yeah. Yeah. So they start kind of having their back and forth like, but I knew that you knew that I knew that you knew and did mm. all of that shit. And uh, Littlefinger's like, hey, I, I knew about Roz. Yeah. And then Varys is, uh, he says his, I did what I did for the good of the realm shit again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they 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 have this little back and forth, and then so this this scene, yes, people who are new to the show might have like heard of this phrase "chaos is a ladder." Yeah, because Var- Varys goes, "Ah, oh, what are you being such a dick for, Littlefinger? You'll throw us into a pit of chaos." And then Littlefinger says, "Chaos isn't a pit; chaos is a ladder." It goes into this speech that I do not fucking understand at all. Oh, really? I do. I don't um, understand how chaos is a ladder. Uh, it, so I do. I, I can okay. kind of explain. I'd like to. I try. I want to get the monologue up, but I, I'll try and explain it without doing that. Essentially, the concept is that uh, they live in a, a structured society where the two of them basically make a living undercutting the structure of that society. So you know, they're spies. They break rules. They trade information. And they take advantage of everyone involved in that society by doing that. You know, like they undercut it all. Um, and Varys is doing that with the purpose of stabilizing that structure, of, of creating more stability and peace. But Littlefinger's perspective is that when you uh, disrupt that structure, um, i.e. you create chaos, then what you're doing is creating a ladder of opportunity. So when you, you create chaos... It gives you the chance to rise through that structure to the top rather than, as Varys implies, sink everyone into a pit. Does that make sense? But a ladder is so solid. How could it be chaotic? Uh, I guess uh, it's solid. (laughs) I think I just, I always got stuck on the fact of like, how can you climb something that is random? How do you right, think that right. you are? You are. How are you arrogant enough to think you're in control of this? But well, I guess Littlefinger is arrogant. He, he. That's exactly right. He is arrogant enough to think that if he creates chaos, he will use that chaos as an opportunity to further his own purposes. He can see the yeah. ladder in the chaos because he's creating it. He's navigating it. And you're right. It's it's an arrogant point of view. He thinks he's smart enough to see a ladder in chaos. But that is yeah. basically what that speech is saying. It, and and I think it because it sounds so cool, and I think it it sounds cool. I think it sounds it's, it's delivered very well. Very well. And and yeah, the, the, yeah. the manner in which the show, like the way that what happens underneath this speech is the most like cinematic thing that the show has done, the most filmic thing or what it like. Absolutely, it, and it it also reinforces everything he is saying. Yes, exactly. It's it's a fucking montage of Littlefinger winning. Yes, yes. Because what do we see? We see um, Roz is dead. Yeah. Fucking Joffrey has crossbowed her to death and he Mm -hmm. seems to have loved it. He walks away like he's just come. Yep. Uh, He, um, the the ship sails away from Sansa. Yes. So basically we're seeing the, the aftermath of Tyrion telling Sansa that he has to marry her. Which means that Littlefinger is going to leave her there. The ship is going to leave her there. She's not marrying Loras. She's not going to Highgarden. Um, 
she's not escaping King's Landing, she's being forced to marry Tyrion and she's going to be stuck in King's Landing. Yeah. Which is a, a shit fucking situation for her. Yeah. Uh, do we see other stuff? I can't remember. But it, whatever it is, we cut between all these different things and it looks real cool and it's filmed well with good music underneath and the speech, yeah, like it's delivered well. I just never understood what chaos is a ladder meant. And then it was one of those things where people re like kept saying it again and again, like this <laughs> yes. little catchphrase. Yeah. And it was like Ramalama ding dong to me. It was just a catchphrase <laughs> that meant nothing. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's it's the implication is that you have to be brave and intelligent and kind of a douche to take advantage of chaos and climb the ladder. Sure. Well, yeah, that's what Littlefinger intends to do, and uh, the the whole like climbing the ladder thing, and then the idea of the climb being the name and the climb up the wall. It mm-hmm. kind of lamely <laughs> transitions over to. Uh, John and Egret getting up to the top of the wall. Like, that was a little on the nose, maybe. Yes, I, I agree. I, I agree. Any time that they do this, that where they set up a nice metaphor and then they make it a literal thing is a little clunky to me. Totally. I agree. But uh, it's, you know, they seem happy to be up there. I got really nervous that they were <laughs> standing too close to the edge yes. and not moving. Well, you know the wall is really, really high. Is it? Oh, fuck, that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and they uh, they look out wordlessly onto a beautiful view of the the southern part of Westeros. Yes, which I did like. I, I disliked yes. the, the the literalization of the metaphor, but that shot, uh, the music, it all uh, it all worked in that moment. Totally, and it's the most like um, just kind of. Uh, I wish I could use the word epic again. <laughs> I reckon I we wish can that start was- trying to take it back. We've start, we've tried to on uh, our other podcast, I'm sure. All right, let's give it a go. I'll just okay. It was the most epic for the win scene that uh, <laughs> I <laughs> like. It was just yeah. It's it was very well done. Mm. It is. It's, it, it is an epic vista. It looks beautiful. It's a big like they've you know accomplished something big. They didn't die. Yeah. And um, it almost, you know, like it, it feels like it's opening up a new plot line to these characters, which is also yeah. um, interesting. Almost like one of those old Hollywood Western kind of mm. uh, views. It almost looked like a big painted on thing, but in a cool way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, I agree. So yeah, Littlefinger's kind of making his plays now. Uh, yep. Tywin's got a pretty firm grip over everything, but Joffrey looks like he's going even more psycho, so mm. don't know where that's going to go. Uh, Sansa's fucked again. Yep. Because she's got to marry fucking Tyrion now. Uh, Shay's going to be furious about that. <laughs> uh, what else is going on? Cersei hates the idea that she's got to marry Loras, but she'll deal with it. Yes, we don't know what Loras is going to do, but he seems so ineffectual that he... Probably is just going to have to go along with it. Yeah. But the, I guess uh, the interesting thing there is what is Marjorie going to do about that? Yes, because she she has uh, some head on her shoulders. Yes. <laughs> some head on her shoulders. <laughs> um, yeah. Bloody Roose Bolton is kind of making weird plays with uh, Jamie is. and Brienne. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Freys and the Starks are going to join together, we assume. Yeah. Uh, Ed Mew has come through with a bloody... Uh, Hail Mary at the end mm. and uh, Creepy Janitor is still torturing Theon 
And also, Gendry's been shipped off for some kind oh, of, yeah. of light thing. Yep, and Samwell is singing in the snow, the fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. There's a Thanks for helping, on. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see Daenerys. No, yeah, no no uh, Essos this week. And was that the only one we uh, we didn't we didn't touch base with? I think it might be. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, good, good episode all round, I think. Yeah, I hope that the 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 not to patronize you, <laughs> but I hope that the um sort of exploring what that climb monologue means a bit more well, makes it I, a bit better. So I think I like I think then I always understood it and never understood the impact that it had on people who were like this speech is awesome. Right, I love the right, way that sure. it was filmed, but I guess I never really like I think yeah, I always put my own thinking it was dumb onto little fingers like I I never really took it as how important little finger thought it was and how right he thought it was. Yeah. I think which, I just Yeah. Which is the key thing about it. It's it's basically like a um, crystallization of everything that Littlefinger thinks about the world, and yeah. the f- the fact that the show is um, presenting he- a couple of victories for him underneath it sort of implies that he's right. But it's mm. just it's just his very sociopathic view of the world. I think totally, yeah. And I think I always sided more with Varys's particular sociopathic view of the world. <laughs> Sure, which is that you can manipulate everyone around you as long as you appear to have a noble goal. Exactly. He's fucking Mark Zuckerberg. He just knows everybody's mm. information mm. and he's going to use it against him one day. Yes. You hear that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I know that you're fucking skimming every podcast for mentions of your name. Well, here yeah. I am and I'm not afraid to say it. I want a job at Facebook. I just want to apologize <laughs> on behalf of the show to Mark. We love you, Mark. Please don't uh, use our data against us. I don't love you, Mark. I love Tom and Travis more. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't remember which was which. <laughs> Tom's, Tom's the crazy one who's who's into aliens. Oh, the drummer. The drummer is Travis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Travis, he's, my, he's a good drummer. I was my really. One. We were into. We're talking about Blink One Eight Two here, and I was very much into them as a teen. I, I used to uh, like them a lot back in the day, but I never really, like, it was that thing where me and my friends always um, thought that they were just the funniest people because of the little skits they do in between their songs on their live albums. Yeah, I remember being a primary schooler. No, it must have been early high school, and the older kids on the buck, back of the bus talking about the conversations that Blink-182 had on their live record and everyone yeah. cracking up about it. And, uh, m- mate, it's what got me into comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Same. It was that and like the Uncle Fucker song from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the end of the episode, The Climb. Um, I don't think we have any non-sealed section emails to, to discuss this week. And I think we've just done a plenty of sort of um, post-recap discussion of the episode. So thanks, everyone who's um, watching along for the first time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for, I think, the episode is called The Bear and the Maiden Fair. Cool. Um, Episode seven of season three. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And now it's time for the The sealed section. Welcome to a little section that I like to call sealed. (laughs) 
Or, or. Uh, that was a seal, by the way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I got it. That, cha- that chaos is a ladder speech. Yes. I, we, I can't remember if we were talking about this on this show or just in real life, mm. but the thing of what happens to Littlefinger, his death. Yeah. Uh, and how, sorry if I'm repeating myself because I genuinely can't remember if this was on the podcast or not. Uh, how people were really disappointed with how, like, sort of uh, ineffectual he was towards the end. And how, uh, not mundane, but just kind of, uh, non grand his death was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we've and touched on it before, but we've not, like, I think we held off because, yeah, this speech was coming up. Yeah. So this speech is the thing that made people think Littlefinger was fucking Machiavelli. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely it was. Yeah. And like, yeah, like we said in, in the, in the non-sealed section, it's, it's, it's his point of view. But the reason that people built him up to be Machiavelli is because the show makes it seem like he's right. Yeah. And, yeah, and that little, like, I, I, that... I don't, I don't necessarily entirely disagree with him on like a fundamental philosophical level. Like, I think in that world, if you treat, um, the moments of, of chaos and confusion and shifting loyalties, as as opportunities to manipulate the situation to your benefit, then hey, if you if you pull it off, you're probably going to go well. But it, it just true. relies on you. It still relies on you being the smartest, most effective person in the situation. And I think a big thing for me, and why I think Varys's idea of like protect the realm and set it up and make sure that it's all safe and 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 um, uh, sustainable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is because it's a very short term view that Littlefinger has of like I can get to the top in this fucking moment of fury. Yep. Everyone will be running around and I can jump on that throne. And but then it'll crumble from under you because you're at the top of that same ladder that's all fucked and chaotic. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it sort of means that you always have to be like you're in that like this one sort of uh, what's the word for it. Just like this one um, um, sort of center point, like this, the eye of the storm, but there's yeah. always going to be a storm around you, so you always have to be like battening down the hatches. Like you never get to stop. Constantly moving with the storm, and then probably mm. the storm will just fucking hit you with some lightning anyway. Yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah. So like it's a ladder in a very brief, for a brief period of time, it's like a more of a stepping stool or something. Sure, yeah. It's like when you're like hopping over a uh, a lily pad in a river. <laughs> like the lily pad's going to sink yeah. into the river. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. In in uh late 90s platformer games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely the thing that made people go like, "Okay, Littlefinger's winning the Game of Thrones." Yes. Yeah. And it's cool like it is like he is kind of, uh, and so is Ramsey. They're both like combine them, and you get yourself the Joker. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that seems to be the only type of character that people on the internet really seem to love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very true. I think that the reason that I was disappointed that Littlefinger left the show wasn't like because I liked him, but it was because. He had the best moment in the show on a cinematic level, like you said. Like it was just really well done. And if you yeah. have an interesting villain who thinks he's smart, he's probably going to say some uh, at least engaging and interesting things. Yeah, I think it, as a moment of characterization, or not characterization, of uh, just kind of the 
building this tone of like pointlessness to all this squabbling that Game of Thrones has. The way that mm. his whole arc is like totally that the entire uh, mission statement of the show. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Him building up, being this massive thing, and then it's just like, oh, it's just a knife to the throat because I got caught because I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, anyway, I I love this fucking slow build-up with Ramsey, too. Isn't it just... It's it's great. It's like, I hate it in in the moment. (laughs) It makes me feel bad because it's so well done. What a fucking villain. He's so good. And I think, like... Season seven, we've talked about this before, was just like a little, a, t- a touch disappointing after yeah. six. Yep. And uh, I think it's Ramsey being gone. Yeah, he 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 was one of the one of the great villains. Um, certainly this after long... Joffrey was gone. Yeah, and he he, the fact that he's been built up before Joffrey's out of the picture, mm-hmm. and it's this this slow build where you kind of end up taking him for granted. Before he's really fucking shit up, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, um, yeah, I love it. He he um, is not someone who's outsmarted either. He's just no. outgunned, basically. Yeah, yeah, like he nearly gets away with it. Totally. He like the only reason he doesn't is, I guess, because he's just like fuck it. Like, I just want to go for it. I don't really care if I die either. Like, he's more of a joker than. Um, Littlefinger is because he genuinely is insane and genuinely just wants to see everything burn around him. Yeah, he's a joker and he's a midnight toker, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nice. Uh, Should we read some emails? Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, we've got uh, one from Tabitha. Tabitha is another person I've played Dungeons & Dragons with. She lives in Canada. And is a, a listener of both this show and our other show. All um, right. So her subject line um, <laughs> is Daenerys is a turd. Now, Do hold you, on. You gave me a lot of information about Tabitha, but now yeah. I'm starting to really learn who this person is. Yeah. A, yeah. a foul mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, And this is a, this is a perspective on, on our podcast that we've not got yet. Um, so here's the email. Hey, guys. I've never actually watched the show, but I've read the books and have always been curious about how the show deals with the story and characters. I was just never curious enough to bother committing to the show, so this podcast has been great. Thank you for listening. I was wondering about your thoughts on Daenerys' leadership capabilities based on the show. I've always found the level of hero worship her character gets strange because she's kind of a shit human being. In the books, she pats herself on the back for going to numerous cities and freeing the slaves, but then just leaves them there to slaughter each other and rot to death. She makes no attempt to establish a new societal structure that can help these people flourish, so most of them end up dying anyway. To me, she seems like one of the worst options for leading Westeros. She has no idea how to lead, how to take care of people, and every time she's faced with a problem, she just gets her dragons to burn it down. She's completely detached from the consequences of her actions, which does not make a good ruler. Quote, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. A bit shy if you ask me. Is that quote Winston Churchill? Who's that? Yeah, yeah, I believe it's Churchill. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yes. A bit shy if you ask me. Anyway, there's my rant. I was wondering if in the show her actions come across differently. Cheers, tabs. Um, So what do you think? Uh, I firstly think that's a really good question because um, 
yeah, it's it's weird in the show because mm. all mm. that same shit does happen. Yeah, and people kind of address it to some extent. Like, pe- like her advisors and shit mention it to her, and you kind of see it a little bit mm-hmm. in the background. But I think maybe the biggest difference is that Amelia Clark plays Daenerys with a lot of likability and like as just a heroine the way that she's portraying yeah. the character is pretty straightforward yeah I, I agree with that um to an extent i i am one of the people who when it was starting to happen in terms of her gaining power um i thought it would make sense for her storyline to be that she goes mad like her relative did yeah. you know like she she very quickly comes into power she is uh, has a following of people who are just absolutely devoted to her because of the circumstances in which you know she gains those followers, mm. and she starts to let loose. There's that gr- scene in that episode where she burns that guy. It's uh, the Tali guy, right? It's Tali. Yeah. It's Randall Tali and and uh, the oldest brother of Sam, yeah. and they just refuse to submit, and so she burns them to death in front of their like in front of their army. And there's there's little flashes of stuff like that the whole way through the show, really. But then she's also just yeah, it's such a sympathetic portrayal of the character mm. uh, for the most part. And, and she, also, she does like, have those. She has advisors who are really attempting to steer her in the right direction. Yes, and and are kind of doing it well. So we haven't really seen her in a position where, like, either she's pushed into a corner or that she has unlimited free reign to use mm-hmm. her power however she wants. So. Mm-hmm. I would love it if it started to go more in that direction because the seeds are planted there in her character. Yes. yes. And if they choose not to have those seeds grow into vengeful, crazy plants, then that's probably a poor decision. And it would th- be yeah. done, in my mind, because of the hero worship that Daenerys does get from a fan base who I think likes her for her being a powerful woman, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think personally, I maybe projected a bit into the those scenes or into the show because I really think that's the most interesting arc for her character is for mm. someone to be come from an awful position, um, go through go through a lot, um, gain power, but then because of their inability to deal with that power, kind of take it too far and go crazy. I think that's an interesting plot arc. And I Daenerys is Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. She's like this super powerful woman who wouldn't give a fuck about you. You're a fly to her. Fuck mm-hmm. you is what she would say the second she laid eyes on you. And yeah. everyone's like, yes, please. Oh, my God. Choke me out. Kill me, please. Hang yeah. me in the village square, Beyonce. I love it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But then so the other side of the whole equation is that we've sort of found out from George R. R. Martin that his whole the whole kind of core of this story was always going to be Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. So... That's why he called the books a poem about Jon and Danny. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, we haven't read the books, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. Yeah. Um, It it, it sort of makes me worry about that that coming to fruition. It it implies that they're both going to be heroes. It'd be a hell of a thing if they if they followed through on what's been set up and made Daenerys a season eight villain, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because she has the capacity to be it, 
And if Jorah has to drive a sword through her throat, and not in the way that he wants, <laughs> then... Uh, yeah, not, not a traditional sword swallower. Ah, oh, not through and through at all. No. But yeah, I, uh, that's a, an interesting question, and I really hope that, uh, yeah, she doesn't just end up being fucking Luke Skywalker. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Um, on the same page. Um, uh, there's a bunch of other questions. Um, oh, there's a note. There's just a note from Michael. I thought I'd read that out just to appease any of the listeners as well. Um, Buy milk. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I love the podcast, blah, blah, blah. I hate to be the quote, well, I read the books and guy, but I thought this might clear up. It's cool that you're not there, Michael. It's good that you're not doing that. We'll see you next week, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He wants to clear up something about Grey Worms. So he says, uh, in the books, it's explained that the Unsullied are given a new name every day to prevent them from establishing any form of identity. So they pick an adjective and a noun, oh. um, and it's at random, yeah. So Grey Worm oh. having his name on that day when he was it, freed and picking it that was name. literally to, to on that day. Yes, exactly, exactly. So Oh, that's, that's, that's sick. Yeah, it makes so much more sense. But um, then wouldn't... It'd be so confusing at parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that they went to many parties. No, nah, they did. Oh, okay. It's actually well, uh, pretty sick being an unsullied. I guess if you can't, you know, if you got no ball, well, you, do they have no balls or no balls and no dick? Uh, I think it's just a fucking mannequin down there. Okay. All right. Makes it hard to party then, in my opinion. Dude, not the way I do it. <laughs> how do, how I do fuck do with it? my nose. Oh, hell yeah. That's cool shit. <laughs> it's doggy style still because I'm sniffing a butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that is good shit. <laughs> um, thanks, right. Mike. Michael's from yeah. uh, New York, so you know that's cool. Oh, sorry. Hey, we're talking here. Um, uh, how about we save a couple of emails for next week? What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, there's just another one that's just a, a brief one. Kieran says, "Hey, All right. um, I'm a huge fan of of uh, Game of Thrones and also Filthy Casuals and this show, which is nice." He just wanted to say he goes to uh, college with the daughter, the the actress who plays Stannis's daughter, Shireen. Oh shit! Yeah, so she, yeah, she's there doing like performing arts and stuff, and uh, so is Kieran. So um, that's very cool. Yeah, of course I she's studying was... performance, performing arts. Yeah, because she's she's done that. Yeah, it makes oh, she sense. might have been doing something like uh, Jack Gleason is now, where he's off uh, doing like a physics degree or something. I think maybe he's done oh, nice. it by now. He must be smart. Nah. Idiots get degrees too. I guess if you go to do a degree, you, you're learning stuff, which means you didn't have that knowledge to begin with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Only so. fucking dumbasses go to school. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't know the times tables? Fuck with. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Is I that why you I dropped out twice? Huh? Is that why you dropped out twice? Because you're too smart for it. I didn't drop out twice. It was three times. So. <laughs> I need to go and learn maths, clearly. (laughs) Wait, maybe it was just twice. Oh, dear. (laughs) I don't give a fuck, man. No school can hold me down. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, we've got a few other emails that we can save for upcoming weeks. Thank you for everyone who's emailed in uh, and tweeted and and commented on the Facebook posts. Um, It's really nice to have these discussions with all of you. 
Mm. Um, next week, as we said halfway through this episode, we'll be talking about uh, The Bear and the Maiden Fair, Episode 7, Season 3 of Game of Thrones. Um, email is aria talking to me at gmail. Oh, sorry, aria talking to me pod at gmail.com. Send a, a, your emails in. Please. Please. Please send them in. And uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. We'll Listen see you bloody casuals. next week. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye and farewell. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.